Well, good morning. Welcome to Ward one more time. My name is John. It's so good to be together with everyone in this room. So good to see you, everyone who's joining us online. So glad to have you with us today as we wrap up this series called The Heart of Worship, where we've really been looking at what it means to worship, what worship really really means because what we've realized, what we know to be true is that uh, everybody uses this term worship and it's often misused because we all have our ideas of what worship is and we, we all have our, our, our favorites, you know, we all have our, our, our preferences of what, uh, what we want to be worshiped because we have deduced we have reduced worship down to one thing, and that is singing some songs in this moment, in this room, on a Sunday morning. And so this series has kind of been uh, breaking down that wall, breaking down that, that idea of what worship is, helping us to see ultimately that worship is about more than songs. Worship is about more than songs. It is declaring the worth of God. It is declaring the worth of God. It's about placing a priority and an emphasis on Jesus, on Him as we value Him. And so this morning we're going to talk about, about this declaring of worth. We're going to talk about this declaring of, uh, of the worth of God, not simply with our voice in this room as we come together on Sundays or when you're alone out in, in nature or out at your house or somewhere, not just simply the way we declare it with our mouths, but the way we live it out this morning. We're gonna talk about worship as a way of life. Does your life, does your life declare the value and the worth of God? Does my life declare the value and the worth of God. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about this idea of declaring the worth and value of God with our lives. Would you stand with me for the, the reading of Scripture for this morning's found in Matthew? Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. It says this Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, uh, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning, for this word. I thank you for what you want to speak to our hearts. Open our eyes to see, open our hearts to receive what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to begin this morning with, with a question. What, what do you really value? What do you really value? Is there something that you just, you love? It's a, maybe it's a prized possession. See, I love coffee mugs. I really do. I, I, I have, if you go in my office, um, there are just on the window ledge there, there are just 
coffee mugs just lined up. I, I love coffee mugs at home. I have so many. Our, our family at home, we don't, we don't have a uniform set of coffee mugs. We, we, it's not like all, they're all one color. They are all different. They are, everything is different because each one tells a different story. So I love them, but, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not just talking about those, those possessions that you value. I, I'm not talking about that per se. I'm talking about what is it, what is it that you really value with your time? What is it that you really value with your energy? What is it that you really value with your attention? This is, this is what we really value. See, we, we have those prized possessions, yes, but what is it that takes up most of your time and energy and thoughts? What is that thing? And see, when we declare the worth and the value of God, right, that means that, that we are declaring that he takes up those things. And what's happening in our world, we have reduced worship down to a time where we sit in here and we sing some songs. And that's, that's devastating to what worship is because I was thinking as I was sitting down here this morning and we were singing, these songs are perfect for what I'm saying because this is exactly it. And then I had the thought, this is what we do. We're really good at declaring with our mouths in this moment, God, you are awesome. There is nothing better than you. There is nothing better than you. And then we go out to the real world, right? And that's not exactly how we live our lives. It's easy to declare it with our mouths, but it's different to live that out. It's different to, to allow that thing to consume consume our time and our affection and our energy. I want to give an example of what I'm talking about. I, I've been married for 11 years. Um, my wife is amazing. Uh, she's the greatest person who's, uh, who, who I've ever met. She's, she's wonderful. Um, and and I, I fell madly in love with her years ago. And I can remember when we first fell in love, when, when I first started dating her, I, I was consumed with her. I was consumed with, with, with all things Kirsten. All things Kirsten Beck, I was, I, I was just amazed by. And so when I would get off work, I would be like, hey, what are you doing? Let's go hang out. And so I would go be around her. And I would find myself when I was at work talking to coworkers, I would talk about her. And, and I found that throughout the day, I would think about her. And I, I would write out little love, love stories, love notes, love songs. You know, I was cheesy like that. I did all of these things because I was consumed with her. She was on my mind all throughout the day. She, she consumed my time when I was off work. I wasn't just going out doing everything as I normally had, as I used to. Now I was trying my best to be with her because I valued her and my life showed it. My schedule showed it. My energy showed that I valued her. So I ask again, what is it that you value? What is it that you treasure? What is it that you so deeply love that everything about you reveals that? Jesus talks about this here in the Sermon on the Mount and in Matthew, Matthew 5 or Matthew 6, he talks about those things that we value. He talks about those things that, that we borderline obsess over because we all have them, right? 
We all have those things that we obsess over. And, and Jesus talks about them here and he calls them our treasures. He says, these are the things that we treasure. See, we are treasuring creatures. That's the first thing that we can learn from what Jesus says here is that, that, that we all have treasures. It's not a matter of if, but what do we treasure? It's not, it's not a matter of, uh, of will you treasure something, but what are you treasuring? It's not a matter of what is consuming your attention, what is consuming your affection, what is consuming your, your emotion and your time. What, it's, not, it's not a matter of if that is happening, but what is that? And so Jesus talks about this. Jesus, Jesus talks about this thing and, and, and he says that when we, when we have these things, when we find these things, when we find these things that we treasure, they, they consume us. They consume us. He says that where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That your time, your attention, your energy goes toward this thing that you have them. The second thing that we see is that, that not, only do we, not only do we have them, but that our lives begin to revolve around them. They begin to arrange around this thing that we treasure. This little phrase, store up, it doesn't simply mean that we have a stockpile. What it means is to gather, to accumulate. It is not just the piling or the owning or the having. It is the pursuit of getting more. It is the pursuit of, of getting, of obtaining, and then keeping that thing. And so what Jesus says is that what is that thing, that thing that you go after, that thing that consumes your time, that thing that consumes your attention, that thing that consumes your energy, that thing, is, it, it matters. It matters what that is because, and he goes on to say, because whatever that is, that's where your heart will be. That's where your life will be. It's important. It matters. Why? It matters because what you treasure, what you treasure shapes your focus. It shapes your focus. In week one, Pastor Scott said that worship comes from this term, worth-ship, right? Worth-ship is declaring the worth or value of something. So when we worship God, we are declaring the value and the, the worth of God. And when our lives are spent going after this one thing, pursuing this one thing, you know what happens? We are declaring, we are worshiping that thing. Our lives are consumed by that thing, whatever it is. It might not be a bad thing itself, but it becomes bad when our lives are worshiping that. When our lives are consumed by that. Those things, those things that we place in this space of value and worth, they begin to shape, they begin to shape our focus. They consume our focus. Like I said, when I, when I first started dating Kirsten and we were first engaged and first married and still now, obviously, she consumed all of my thoughts and my focus. It was hard to get work done. It was hard to think about anything else. Those things that we truly value, they shape our focus. 
When you truly treasure something, you spend time thinking about it, dreaming about it, talking about it. It consumes you. It shapes you. But not only does it, does it shape your, your focus, it does something else. In Psalm 115, the psalmist is talking about those who treasure or worship idols. This is what it says in Psalm 115, starting verse four. It says, but their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Listen to this right here. This is awesome. Those who make them will be like them. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. The psalmist is saying here that you will become like those things, those gods that we worship. Those things that we put in this place of value and worth, we become like them. So it doesn't just shape your focus. What you treasure shapes you. What you treasure shapes your focus, but it also shapes you. When you worship money, you'll be shaped by greed. When you worship power, you'll be shaped by arrogance. When you worship comfort, you'll be shaped by apathy. If you worship approval, you'll become a chameleon. If you worship achievement, you'll become a user of people. Those things that we worship shape us. And that's why the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, the greatest commandment, according to Jesus, is about the prioritizing or the valuing or treasuring of God himself above everything else. Because he knew that if we truly value him, if we truly prioritize him in our lives, if we truly become consumed by him in our lives, in our worship, he will be the one to shape us. If we put him in his rightful place in our lives, if we put him as first in our lives, then he will be the one to shape us, not all of these other things. In Luke chapter nine, in Luke chapter nine, Jesus makes this statement that we kind of miss a lot of the times. But what he says, uh, we, we catch this beginning part where he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. But then he goes on and says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but but whoever who chooses to lose his life for my sake will save it. That word save, that word save right there means to rescue from danger. Rescue from danger. When we, when we choose to, to hold on to those things that we value, that we want above Jesus or everything else, we lose the life that we were created to have. But when we choose to hold on to him and value him and we sacrifice all of those other things and we surrender all of those other things, what he says is that that is when you save your life. You rescue your life. The life you were designed and created to live is found only in the prioritizing of Jesus. That's why we see so many people obtain those pursuits. They reach those goals that they want. They, they get that thing that they are so obsessed with, so consumed with, and then they realize they are still miserable. 
Because they have replaced the thing that they were supposed to prioritize with a thing that is faulty. And they've begun to be shaped by something wrong. But when we put him in his rightful place, when we worship him, not only with our lips, but with our lives, when we treasure him above all else, he begins to shape us and make us into the person that he designed us to be. It's why those things that we treasure, those things that we pursue, those things that we worship matter because they shape our focus and they shape us. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, the church at Rome, he he kind of gave some, some instruction and insight into what this looks like to treasure him, to value him, to, to put him as the priority, to make sure that you are worshiping God, not just with your lips, but with your lives. In Romans chapter 12, he makes this statement. In Romans chapter 12, right at the very beginning, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer or to present, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. When he uses this word offer or present, what what he's saying here, what he's using here is a technical term found in the Old Testament. See this word that Paul uses is is the the Greek translation of the Old Testament. What, what, What it talks about is this sacrificial object on the altar. And what it says is basically is that once you put this thing on the altar, it's there, it stays there, it's dead, it's no longer yours, it belongs to God. Once you put something on this altar, it is no longer yours, you don't pick it back up. It stays there, it's his. And Paul says, this is what I want you to do with your lives. I want you to put yourself I want you to put yourself on the altar and sacrifice yourself as a living sacrifice. That's, a, that's an odd choice of words because in the, the old system, of course, the sacrifice was dead. It wasn't a living thing anymore, but, but I mean, it, it knew that it was dead. It was dead. It wouldn't get up. It was there, right? I mean, that makes it a little bit easier, but you imagine a living thing on the altar, a living thing on the altar, this sacrifice might be tempted to say, all right, I'm done. I'm gonna hop up now. I'm gonna go about my way. That's what we do, right? We might be good at putting ourselves on the altar. We're also really good at being like, all right, that's cool. I had that moment, let's go. What Paul is saying, what Paul is saying is that, is that part of this worship as a way of life is this continuing to present yourself 
as a sacrifice. Continuing to put yourself on this altar. It's not a one-time thing. It is an every morning you wake up and you say, okay, God, I place my will. I place my struggle with sin. I place my possessions. I place my desires. I place my relationships. I place my life on the altar. It's not mine anymore. I'm yours. Use me as you see fit. From today on, from now on, I choose to regard my life as a sacrifice. It's a continual thing. I mentioned earlier that the greatest commandment according to Jesus was about the prioritizing or the treasuring of God above everything else. This is found in a couple different places in the gospel. One is in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, we see, uh, we see that, that Jesus is, is asked by a lawyer. He's asked by a lawyer, what is the great, the great commandment? What is the great commandment? And Jesus responds with, the Lord is one, and you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Something that, that a lot of us, we, we, under, we, we hear that. You heard that and you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know that. And so Jesus said, that's the greatest commandment is that you value him, you value God above everything else. This command from Jesus was the same thing as this challenge from, from Paul. Value God above everything else. Submit yourself to him above everything else. Surrender to God above, he is the thing that is of utmost importance. You see, when Jesus made the statement, he wasn't coming up with a new command. He wasn't just simply quoting one of the 613 laws or commands that there were in the Old Testament. Instead, he was, he was quoting a prayer that you can find in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter six, there's this prayer called the, the Shema. And, it, and basically it is something that every Hebrew person would pray twice a day. And that it was this thing that, that here, O Israel, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Jesus was referencing a prayer that they all knew, a prayer that, that they would all, well, yes, okay, oh, all right. It was a reminder that this is something that is consuming. Valuing God is the greatest commandment and putting him in this place where you are continually going back because it wasn't just that they prayed it twice a day, but this was something that they were supposed to believe. They were supposed to live out. They were supposed to, to understand and grab and then pass on to their kids. He says, talk about it when you lay down and when you stand up and when you walk and when you sit and when you eat. And he says, put it on the back of your hands and put it on your forehead and put it on the doorpost of your house. What, what the, the, the Old Testament was saying was that, that this law, this word that God is more important than anything else is something that you are supposed to so deeply love and so deeply know and so deeply understand that it's not just that you go every morning and say, okay, God, here I am, but that you are continually going back and saying, okay, God, here I am. Okay, God, here, here I am. All right, God, I, I, yes. All right, I'm bringing my mind back to you. Until we could get to the place where as Brother Lawrence, the, the old, old theologian, 
monk. He said that I have learned to be in two places at once. Everywhere I am, I am also in the presence of God. When I am washing dishes, I am in the presence of God. Everything I do, I'm in the presence of God. That is the goal. It's to get to the point where we are continually coming back to him, that he is continually consuming our lives. He is continually consuming our attention, that he is continually consuming everything about us to the point that maybe I'm in conversation with you, but my mind is on Jesus. I wanna be there. I wanna be at the point that I could be doing my everyday daily task, but my mind and my spirit is caught up with him because he is so great, because he is so amazing. This is why Paul said at one time, he said, I've determined to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. And then another time he said, he said, I have considered everything else as loss for the surpassing knowledge, the surpassing value of the knowledge of God, that everything else is garbage compared to knowing him. He is so wonderful. He is so beautiful that he consumes my every thought. I want to live that way. And I can confess, I don't live that way. I want to. I want to be so consumed with him. Paul says here in Romans 12, this word, there is this true and proper in the NIV, but some translations say reasonable. That word actually means it's, it's, uh, it's logikos, which means logical. I mean, it was an easy jump, right? Logical. It is reasonable. It's rational. It makes sense. God is so great that it makes sense that you would sacrifice everything for him. He is so great that it just makes sense that we would sacrifice everything for him. We see this with the 12. These, these young men, these young men who gave up everything in a moment to follow him. These people who, who sacrificed everything that they had worked toward, everything that they knew to follow him because he was so Amazing, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? There's something special about him. They wouldn't allow themselves to just speak worship, but they lived worship. I believe that's what God is telling us this morning. I'm, I, I love your, your words. I love your, your lip service, but I want your life Paul and all of the disciples who walked with Jesus would say, yeah, that makes sense. It's only logical. It's only logical because he is so great. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you are so great. God, I pray that you would stir us every morning 
to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and then remind us throughout the day, God, to come back to you. You are that good, God, that when we stray, you pursue us. You bring us back to you and we thank you for that. Give us the ability, give us the power, give us all that we need to do this every day. In your name we pray, amen.